You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Gemma, I help connect business with tech talent and today I'm your host. Today I'm joined with Andre, David, Elin and Johan to talk about how to create and maintain a team culture. So as usual, I'll go around the room and ask everyone to give a brief introduction of themselves. David, would you like to go first? Mm, happy to. Uh, so my name is David Morgenstern. I'm uh, heading up people and culture at uh, Curb Food, uh, an interesting player in the uh, emerging food tech uh, segment. Uh, I'm a licensed psychologist by training that usually somehow slips into these conversations. I don't know why, I don't know how, but it just does. Um, I'm, um, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll leave it at that. But I mean, uh, culture and team culture, passionate interest of mine. So really looking forward to today's uh, topic. Perfect. And then Joanne, would you like to go next? Yeah, hi, my name is uh, Johan Lida and uh, I'm a software architect and product owner. I have my own company called Lido Development and uh, primarily consulting at a big bank called SEB in Sweden, uh, where I uh, lead uh, teams in different countries. Uh, Other than that, I like to cook food and I like uh, good wines, Uh, comes with age, I think, so and I enjoy life and also looking very much forward to spend some time with, with you guys with very, very interesting questions. Amazing. And Elin, would you like to go next? Absolutely. So my name is Elin Gustafsson and I work as the Lime Technologies as a technical product manager. And what I do is deliver and customize our own CRM system. And well, in my spare time, I sing opera. That's a passion of mine. And uh, as you and I love uh, wine and food, so I don't think it's an age thing. I think it's a general people thing, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I'm also looking forward to today's topic. It's definitely an interest of mine. Perfect. And then last but by no means least, Andre, would you like to introduce yourself? Yep. Uh, my name is Andre Hiretz. Uh, I'm working as a technical lead in a curve food company together with David. Uh, so uh, I'm helping our team to build the software as well as uh, doing some DevOps and backend work. Uh, also, I'm passionate about the startups, uh, about uh, dancing like salsa, mamba, and casino. And also, I like uh, exploring new places uh, like nature places, cities. Yeah, it is more or less about me. So uh, we're looking forward to. Uh, to talk about culture because something that I'm passionate about. Incredible. Well, what we'll do next is we'll ask you all to introduce your questions, why you're interested in it and get the conversation going. Um, David, you've been a brave volunteer to go first. So would you like to introduce your area and what what, what makes you want to talk about it? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, we had the subtitle, or maybe I just read that into it, but uh, for for today's topic, not only about team culture, but also high performance and, you know, high performing teams. Uh, And something that I'm intrigued by and by no means have the answer to is, you know, how do you balance uh, goals on a team level So what the team is supposed to achieve and and have joint responsibility for uh, with individual goals of the team members and what they are individually responsible for. Uh, Because I think in defining the team goals versus the individual goals lies one of the keys in creating a good team culture. Um, So I'm, I'm super interested in just picking everyone's brains on this topic. You know, how would you... How would you approach that uh, conundrum? Elin, would you like to kick us off first and give your intake? That I could do. Um, I think you first have to ask yourselves 
does the team goal and or the individual does the team goal actually affect the individual in any way? Uh, not only in what they're sort of working towards, but also maybe on a salary level. Does the team goal affect the individual salaries, for instance? Then, then of course the team goal becomes more uh, probably important for the individual, or or does it only define what they as a team should work towards? Um, so I think the difference between different type of goals is very different <laughs> or is very important in this uh, in this question. Um, as you said, David, you don't have the answer and I don't think I do either. <laughs> um, but um, I think the first thing you have to do is to have an open discussion within the team of both the individual goals and the team goals so that everyone is aware of what they actually mean you need to do or or and and can agree upon them because if if some one higher up in the the hierarchy maybe just defines the goal for the team and say this is what you're supposed to work towards then then they will not be anchored within the team so I think getting everyone to sort of agree upon goals, uh, both for the team and then for themselves as individuals, is a very important thing to do. And Johan? I, I, think I have a question. I think it uh, kind of depends on what we mean by goals. If we mean by goals, uh, uh, as a cultural goal, or if we mean like a delivery goal, if we're speaking about cultural goal, I would say it they should be aligned uh, uh, because uh, the team, I mean, is the the multiplication of the individuals or somewhat. It's not like a team, and then and then you have a, uh, an individual that has another goal, which would be quite strange because. I would say a team is kind of a organism with all these individuals that change uh, 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 together. So for me, it's like they should just be aligned and that would be the team. And it's very important that if you recruit a new person, the, the, his or her goal should be aligned with the goal, the cultural goal of the, uh, of the existing team. On that, do you, when you recruit people, do you ask them like what their goals are, or is it a conversation you have with them once they've already joined the team and the dynamics already created? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a major, major question. We, I mean, in the recruitment, it's of course all, all about, uh, or not, but most about uh, skills. Of course, can I mean, do they have the level, the hygiene level? That uh, that we need, but uh, it's also very important about uh, uh, I mean about their personal goals. I mean, what what would you do, for example, if you had uh, one billion dollar? I mean, what would be your dreams? That kind of says a lot of who you are. And do do you like to be part of the business, or do you work towards uh, requirements? So those kind of questions kind of align. Uh, Make sure that you're part of, of this team. A counter question for, for David. Um, when you thought of this topic or this question, uh, were you thinking of culture goals or um, delivery goals? Um, my initial thought was was more on delivery goals, so more, more towards a kind of performance angle. Yeah, because that also sort of um, maybe directs the answer <laughs> in a different, in, in a, in an other direction than just culture goals, because I really do agree with Joanne there that uh, culture goals should be the individual goals sort of combined together, and that would be the team culture goal, but delivery goals um, is another matter and most often set by someone outside the team uh, for the team or maybe in in a dialogue with a team lead uh, or product manager, for instance, but uh, not always uh, takes 
into account everyone in the team and their opinions. Mm. Andre, do you have anything to add to this? Uh, yeah, uh, so I'm really interested in talking about like team collaboration and uh, challenges that you might have in the team uh, when you work on site and also uh, when you do work remotely. Uh, so also I I would like to share experience working in like multinational big team. So when, when you're uh, supposed to um, know how to approach different cultures and how to collaborate with people either on site or remote. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, I think it's a because, I mean, when, when we're talking about culture and anything culture related, of course, there, there could never be like one correct, one size fits all. Uh, maybe at some point in time, uh, we want to have a culture that really emphasizes and promotes uh, teamwork and collaboration. Uh, and in those cases, having joint team goals where, you know, who picks up what, who does what things and, and to what degree you individually contribute doesn't really matter as, as much uh, because you really want to foster the collaboration and the trust and everything like that. Uh, but there also comes times when you want to just get shit done very, very quickly. Uh, and then, of course, you shouldn't, you know, foster harsh uh, competition, but you might want to optimize a little bit more for, you know, having very clear individual goals. You might, might want to emphasize the follow-up and, you know, the accountability on an individual uh, level. So I, I think as a team lead as well, you can, you can play with these levers in an interesting way. Um, and, and again, there's no right or wrong, but I, I think these are, yeah, it's, it's interesting levers to explore when you're talking about creating a team culture, what you, what you kind of optimize for. Um, but super interesting to, to, to hear your thoughts. And actually, I'd never heard the term culture goals. I, I don't, what, what how, how would you define uh, a culture goal? I, I can't remember you one. Was it you or, or yeah. the other one? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, for me, the culture would be like uh, if you let's say that you have a more of a work-life balance kind of culture where you, uh, uh, I mean, nothing wrong. That doesn't mean that you are not a high-performance team, but I mean, you 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 make sure that the work-life balance, depending on which people you have, of course, if you have family and other interests and stuff. And another culture could be more of a high-performance team where people are very very dedicated to work. Uh, that, that's what they do. So that, that's what I mean by uh, by uh, culture uh, goals. Because it would be hard to have uh, one or two persons that have a more of a work-life balance approach into a very high-performance team. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, at least I think so. It would be kind of it's probably better to separate in two teams and they can collaborate together. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. But I have a question and, and the follow-up from Andre and what you said also, David. And when you say collaboration, Andre, do you mean collaboration within a team or between teams? Uh, so uh, I meant like both because uh, in the first place it is collaboration in the team. So how we do solve problems together. Mm. So and uh, once you, you have it, and your company is growing, then you're supposed to have collaborations between the teams. And it, it it's actually much more complicated thing to have everyone synchronize it. But I think it is much wider topic than. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I would say uh, since um, I have some experience at least uh, to have uh, uh, teams in different parts of the world, also with uh, actually quite, uh, uh, we have, up to eight hours uh, time differences between um, in winter time between Ireland and uh, Malaysia. Uh, and the, the, I, I think in that case, it's very important to have a common culture where you, uh, where everybody wants to present something. They want to, they, everybody wants to pull from, if you have a backlog, for example, they want to pull, they want to present what they have done, they want to 
show something, but uh, uh, and they want to contribute. That I mean, so that is it's underestimated how how important that is. And I think the, as a team leader, you need to be able to since everybody is different. Some some guys are super uh, good, and some guys are juniors. So you need to be able to make them present even uh, what you think is a bit smaller things. So I think that, that is important for a culture in a team that sits in different parts of the world at least. Because that also makes them collaborate a little bit more because it's it's a, it's a place where you can start a conversation. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Uh, it is uh, something that personally like important to build in as early stage as possible uh, when you just start and have the team so when team uh, have trust to each other and they know like where, where they want to go together so to have some common goal that's supposed to unite them right so and once we have it so we could work from a different angles uh, angles uh, to towards this goal basically and and try to organize a routine around that so as a first uh, thing i see so it might be really important to start this collaboration first. So when we have some important like uh, common meetings where we're supposed to talk about uh, like higher level subjects. So without the details and then when everyone is involved and take an initiative so that they then start to present and do everything that you have been explained. <laughs> so sounds really great. Yeah, I think that to enable good collaboration, both within teams and then between different teams, the first thing you need to start is to build a relationship with the people in the in your team uh, to to build trust and to get to know each other. How do I work, or and how do you work? So we don't hit any snags within that. But then to collaborate with um, another team or other teams. You also need to build some type of relationship with the people. It cannot just be a, I mean, it's a work relationship, of course, but you sort of have to share a little bit of yourself as a person, I think. And then, as you said, Andre, to have forums where sharing is the, the main topic. So maybe have weekly meetings where you're supposed to like you on set, maybe share and show what you have done uh, for the whole team and vary, um, vary the topics for these or vary who's to present which week so that everyone needs to and takes the opportunity to do so. I also think it's a good way to, to enable collaboration because then you, you get the, then you have fixed uh, dates or times when you, actually talk together with each other and, and get to know what everyone else has been working on. Mm -hmm. there, there's a nice model uh, to describe one of the things that you mentioned earlier in, uh, in, in teams called the openness trust model. So these two have to kind of move in tandem uh, for team to, to function and get to know each other. Because if, if you don't share anything about yourself, i.e. you have no openness, then it's very hard to trust someone. You know, if I know nothing about you one on this call, then for me to, to trust him won't come very naturally. Uh, however, you can't be more open than the trust would allow at that point as well. Because if I suddenly start sharing super intimate details about something before we've built up trust, that won't work either. So again, they, they kind of have to move in tandem in a team. Um, yeah, just sprung to mind as a... <laughs> so, uh, I, I couldn't agree more on that one. It's uh, so important. And the whole concept of uh, psychological safety is uh, totally underestimated how important that is. I mean, it also makes you take the next step and allow yourself to do, do some wrong. It's okay. Uh, so the more exactly as you say, the more trust you have, the more the more wrong you can do, and uh, the, <laughs> the, the the better every, everything becomes. I would say so. Totally agree on that. Yeah, and I, I like the approach how you look uh, at the kind of 
background things because uh, not everyone uh, could uh, initially understand that doing something wrong is not actually bad because it's just one step towards the goal. So you're making the learnings, uh, you, you, you're taking an experience from that and then you're making something better. So when people don't afraid to do something wrong and could open themselves, could really help them like uh, to build a better product and better like experience. I think that brings us quite nicely onto Eli's question um, about strong relationships. So would you like to introduce that and talk about it a little bit further? I can do. So what I would like to talk about is how company culture, so the overall culture in the company actually relates to this building strong relationships within teams and well also between teams and I as well uh, as David had had high performing teams in mind when thinking about this but I think we can uh, take it more generally into any teams and the reason why I uh, would like to talk about this is that uh, at Lime we don't really work within the classical team structure um, I have a team which I'm a part of but uh, the products I'm working on uh, are very rarely together with someone else in my team. I generally work with another person within the company or on my own uh, within projects. So my collaboration is mostly with the customer or maybe with one or two other people uh, within our company. So my team structure differs uh, from week to week. Uh, so how would the and that's why I I believe that the company culture, at least for us, is very important since we need to collaborate all over the, the whole organization. Uh, but I would love to hear your thoughts about how company culture plays a role into team relationships. Yeah, I can, I can uh, start. Uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, question uh, or subject, Elin. Uh, we have that actually. We have a quite of a big team, uh, and uh, and uh, uh, as we said, the culture is very important. And we're actually working like uh, two or three guys are working on the projects almost entirely on their own. They they uh, work with, uh, for instance, we have a, uh, the base team is in Malaysia, and there are two guys working with uh, exclusively almost with the Irish guys. Whereas some other guys are working more on the Swedish part, but we're still the same team. And what we're trying to do there is trying to find um, uh, a pattern, common patterns, both from a, a product perspective and also from a, a technical component perspective, so that we can create a component that is reusable for for uh, the the two or three different uh, businesses, which makes us collaborate and. Uh, when we speak about the presentation as we did, uh, uh, it's also very, very important that people actually present what they are doing because then people, uh, the other guys are actually seeing what they do. So you can keep the integrity uh, and the culture in the team. Uh, otherwise, it's quite easy to kind of the you and some other person just uh, you're on your own, basically. So that it's, it's, it's yeah, very important to find some common grounds, uh, that would be my suggestion. Do you um, feel that this way of working is something that, well then, SEB in this case uh, is promoting you to no. do, or is it something you have initialized within the team? Uh, th that is something that we have in our team, but uh, it's not uh, like SEB related. But I think it's uh, also, one way of uh, promoting uh, team members to be uh, to be leaders because they have to take a lot of uh, responsibility. So I think it's something that is worth promoting actually. Mm. I, I think it's a it's a great question, Elian, and uh, I, I had to write down some some thoughts so it wouldn't come out as a uh, just as a big jumble. Uh, but my my first one would be. I don't think you can ever optimize for both. Uh, so the stronger the team culture is, uh, 
the more distinct it is, the harder it's going to be for that company to also have a strong overall company culture. You know, the, the, the team could then easily become a small subculture, you know, for, for good or for bad. Uh, and the stronger the company culture you have, the harder it is to maybe for the team, they, they can still form, you know, really great relationships with one another, but they wouldn't have a distinct, like when you enter the door into the, this team, you feel like, ah, oh, yeah, this is, this is what it's all about. This is uh, what makes this team a uh, tick. Again, you know, I, I, I can't say one is preferable to the other. Uh, it's, it's just one of these things you have to decide. Do we want to build extremely strong team cultures where the team trusts, you know, each other overall else? Or do we want to optimize, like you really feel like you belong to the company, you can switch teams, it doesn't really matter. Um, I, I think your, your example was also interesting that you mentioned about how you work and your touch points with customers and so on. And the, I think overall culture building is harder the fewer interactions you have generally, because of course, you know, an empty office does not have a culture. It's not something that sits in the walls. It's something that happens in the interactions. So then it's even more important that the interactions you have, you know, either if it's driven by you or by the company, that those become like meaningful culture creators in a way. Ah, that's my my two cents. Very, very interesting thoughts, I think. Do you believe that the sort of company culture versus team culture also depends on how big the company is, perhaps? Whereas a startup with, say, between five and 20 employees have an easier, uh, has it easier to have a company culture that uh, is spread within the entire organization rather than a company with 300 to 100,000 people, of course, uh, mm. will have more of the team culture way or could mm. could both sort of uh, sizes of companies have, have both structures? Uh, I, I think you're spot on. I mean, the, the larger company gets, the harder it's gonna be to maintain. Uh, a very strict, coherent culture. Uh, I had a, a very strong kind of culture awakening, if, if, if I may, when I went from Ericsson to Klarna, um, and then from Klarna to, to Curb Food, in the sense that uh, at Ericsson, we loved to talk about culture, but then the way you know work got done, the way uh, the rituals you had in each team and so on, it, it varied wildly from, from one team to another. Uh, and sometimes talking to the market organizations where you had the sales and marketing people, it felt like a completely different planet to uh, the central functions that I was part of. Uh, and then starting at Klarna, where the first thing that happened was a three-day really, really good and well thought out onboarding to really like marinate me in the culture that the company wants to create and maintain. Um, now it was 2,500 people when I stepped in the door there. I think it's now five or 7,000 somewhere in that region at Curb Food, 130 people. So, you know, the smaller you are, the easier it is to maintain. But I also think you need to build in those mechanisms that, because of course, any or almost any uh, successful organization is bound to grow. And to think already at the outset, how can we have a growth that will still enable us to maintain our culture? Uh, we talk a lot about at Curve for that we, we want to fight <laughs> the, the, the enemies that come with a growing organization. And Andre, you've, you've heard me preach about this many times, but things like you know, diffusion of responsibility, the simple you know, fact that the more people that could potentially be responsible for something, the less likely any one of them is to do anything about it. That's going to affect every large organization unless you build in structures, you build it into your culture to take accountability responsibility and have tools for that. Sorry, that was a long answer, but uh, I think it's a, it's a super interesting topic. And thanks for asking the question, Elin. I actually have one more question for you, since you now mentioned your examples of Ericsson, Klarna and Curbfood. Uh, have you at Curbfood, as sort of the in charge of people and culture, um, set up an introduction program 
uh, for new employees since you really enjoyed it at Klarna. Uh, absolutely. And I think it's it's one of the really like no-brainer investments, uh, having a solid onboarding uh, program. Yeah, I think you have one of the best return on investments there. We also very quickly, um, there's a lot of hiring managers that protested, but we only allow people to join the company on the days when we run an onboarding. We do them twice per month, but uh, still, it's uh, it's a testament to how important it is. I couldn't agree more. We have the same, but we have a four-week onboarding um, session, so it's run twice a year, but everyone has to partake. Mm, nice. I would like to add to that topic so that we shouldn't underestimate the onboarding sessions because it is something that makes like the first impression of the company and experience of the person who is joining and uh, based on that the next relationships with the teams and in the company will be built on the knowledge that person has and if we bypass the proper knowledge uh, to the person uh, so and person knows how processes are working in the company, uh, like then person could fit to the company much easier than. And uh, it is a way to build a trust in, in initial phase. I'm, I'm very happy to, since uh, as uh, David, you mentioned, you were at Ericsson and, and a lot of talk about uh, culture rather than maybe being uh, culture. A very interesting and very happy to hear uh, how seriously your companies take this uh, onboarding of uh, culture and something that I will bring with me for sure. Thank you for that. Amazing. Well, does anybody have anything else to add for Elin or Elin, do you have any further questions before we move on? No. Um, John, let's move on to you, Nick. Would you like to introduce your area? I feel like we might cross over a little bit, but we'll see where we can. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit, uh, we have already touched upon it. But uh, so my question was more like, uh, is it possible or how can we mix uh, different cultures within a company? And uh, we can take uh, the example again with that uh, you have a uh, a, a team with uh, more like a work-life balance at, uh, against uh, high performance. And of course, I mean, in a big company where, where, where I am, you have a lot of different teams. Of course, you have a, a support team like customer service. But if we're thinking about uh, IT development the department, uh, can we have different cultures within that uh, department? Uh, and uh, if so, how? how uh, how can we make the best of it? Because um, uh, from my experience, it, it could be quite uh, challenging actually. And uh, and why is that? Yeah, it's because um, uh, it's because uh, in, in in the work-life balance, uh, they might not come up with uh, so many common components, for example, and uh, uh, because they have focus on other things uh, and. Um, uh, and it can become somewhat of a, um, not a competition, but the, the, the high performance team always feels that they are giving something and never receive anything back, at least from the component section. So, so the, how, how, would you, how would you think about that? What would you do about that? Mm, I would like to. Uh, answer on the question, uh, more or less at least like from my perspective, uh, how how I've seen uh, how we approach that. Uh, so uh, since we are uh, in we are startup, so we have a lot of people from different countries and from different areas uh, who has uh, different statuses. Like some people are uh, just finished at university, some are experienced and have children. So of course, each of them have different, maybe like personal goals, uh, but all of them are uh, great people with uh, good personality, as well as people who, who are just willing to, uh, to make our product better. So I think uh, the first and very important step is maybe uh, to pay a lot of attention 
uh, in the initial phase, like when when you create the team itself. Uh, so because if people share the same interest and uh, uh, th then it would be much easier uh, for them to to collaborate and uh, go towards uh, like progress uh, uh, for company, uh, even though they have a little bit different different culture. So it's like one 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 thought and beyond on it. And the second approach is, uh, I think it might be possible to approach different people a little bit differently in the team. So uh, when when you uh, lead in the team, when you have in the team, so you might uh, uh, provide like different information for people who is working as part of the team. For example, if person is uh, a little bit uh, like likes more like uh, to work by its own, so you provide more uh, like uh, more context but less details. And if some people are really want to uh, came from the culture where they're supposed to doing something uh, like that uh, had been planned in advance, so you give more details and then people perform better. So you always have to find this kind of balance. So how you how you structure the uh, things that's supposed to be done by team and like uh, and how you check uh, that the goal uh, had been achieved. These my thoughts. Thank you. I would like okay. to just make a, a small comment that I don't necessarily uh, believe that high performance and work-life balance are disconnected. They can also you can you can have work-life balance and still be very high performing both as an individual and in a team. What I do believe though makes the difference here is maybe uh, the motivation for for people if your if your motivation or what's driving you is that you uh, want to deliver you want to perform and you want to so, sort of overachieve uh, then that can of course clash with someone who would like to um, who are not driven by the same factors and here again i think you can mix these types of people into a team but it's super necessary that they get to know each other and understand each other's driving factors. If I'm working with someone who, who has this very high, want, want to deliver um, uh, on a high speed or high level, uh, then, then I need to understand that they will be motivated by this and I might need to adapt a bit to that if I'm not really this way and, and vice versa. If you're sort of this um, high achiever, and then, then you might need to adapt to someone you're working with because the person you're working with could still be the best person to collaborate on this topic. Uh, they might ne necessarily, not necessarily have the same driving factors as you. So I believe it's workable, but you need to get to know each other and you need to um, be willing to adapt a bit uh, to the persons in your team for it to work and it will of course probably be smoother to work with people that are more like-minded than you but that might not be necessarily the best thing either uh, uh, i think it's a very good what you're saying there Elin, is that maybe high performance is the wrong word it's more like uh, different motivations uh, from within or between uh, teams that uh, thank you for that clarification um, um it's uh, i think it's a, it's a very good it's a very interesting question Ioana, and it's 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 kind of akin to 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 Elin's question but but still uh, uh, still interesting and, and different enough um, a few few reflections from my end. Uh, I think there, there probably needs if if you want to have a common culture across the company, and it's important to have a common culture across the company. You probably have to agree on some lowest common cultural denominator, some things that are you know non-negotiables uh, for you to to kind of bond together around. Um, but you know that doesn't mean you have to agree on everything or you have to be in the same 
phase of life or motivation or so uh, as, as as everyone else uh, as long as you kind of subscribe to if it's a set of values if it's a set of you know this is the way we work these are our agile rituals and everyone does them we don't just you know uh, pay lip service to it we actually do it and, and this is our way of working um i i think couple of other kind of concepts that come into this one is like agility and and, and resilience you know you, you very very few organizations can work at optimum capacity all the time it works if you are like a you know big management consultancy and you have a steady stream of overperforming you know insecure uh, young graduates that uh, you can fill the hole of insecurity in their souls would work um, and, and you just have that kind of engine going, but but for most organizations, this is this is not an option. Uh, and then you have to consider it a marathon and not a not a sprint. So, you know, how, how do you manage through people's waning and waxing levels of uh, of motivation? And it brings me into uh, there, there's a I, I would I wish I would have coined this phrase. I've, I've shamelessly stolen it from a great book, but it's it's the simple fact that you can never equate your intentions with the effects that you're creating. So if you're if you're dealing with a less motivated team and you're trying to get them engaged by setting super high goals and like talking about the importance of performance and da 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 da, and and then like, but what's wrong with you people? Why aren't you motivated? It's actually the effect that you're creating that you're responsible for. So managing that kind of team and leading in that type of you know setting, okay, how can I create the effects that I want to have? How can I create the results that I want to have as a leader, given you know the team that I'm working with, given the current environment, given the slump in the economy or whatever, uh, and and rather see that as a fact of life <laughs> and, and and kind of work with it. Um, it's a long one question and kind of leading into the, the leadership territory uh, as opposed to only solely culture. But yeah, just some, some thoughts that popped up. I think it's, it's very good, very interesting, uh, both from you, David, and Lera. And maybe if uh, you can create some kind of uh, higher goal that is bigger than the team itself, that everybody can see that everybody is contributing, some is contributing a lot today and tomorrow and someone else is contributing in another way the next week or or whatever so mm. that could be so and and i think that i like the, the uh, again said about the, the motivation and also uh, great uh, talk uh, david very very interesting talk today amazing well just because i'm aware of time are we okay just to move on to andre's question yes yes uh, so uh, my question uh, to you will be more how, how you see the work like in the team when people are located in different places, when they have like uh, a lot of culture differences, when they have time zone difference and they not always see together in the office, uh, might be like in any part of the world. Uh, so uh, what do you think is important actually uh, to do just to keep team as a whole uh, so organism uh, who wants to, to to solve the common goal johan would you like to go first yeah sure uh, interesting question and uh, yeah as i work with uh, a lot of um, uh, different countries in in Malaysia. I think we have one guy who actually come from Malaysia, and the rest is coming from. I think we have uh, ten different countries in the team and uh, four different religions, uh, which is uh, quite interesting. And and as we speak, we have uh, Ramadan, and you need to respect that. And uh, some guys are doing their five times a day prayers, and uh, they will do that uh, regardless if you think you have a have a very important meeting or something so because that is very important for them and that uh, you have to respect also uh, in the end of ramadan some people are very tired because of uh, they haven't eaten uh, for a month so and that is also something that you have to respect 
uh, which is very nice. And you actually, what I think is important, or, or it's a, it's a great honor to actually be in a team with so many different countries. You should, um, uh, like, I mean, everybody in the team has so much to learn about each other. And uh, as I have seen it, there is absolutely no conflict about religion or where they come from. It's just everybody seems to just to enjoy to um, to learn from each other. And what we have, what we did in the beginning of the pandemic, when everybody sat at home, was quite isolated. Uh, was that everybody presented uh, from their own country, which was very nice. To, uh, about the history, so we had like a one and a half hour presentation. So that was something that was pretty nice. Uh, and uh, speaking of uh, time zones, I would say that the, since we have so many different time zones, it's very, very important that everybody kind of knows about the business so that they can make their own decisions. Because that is the only way to scale. You, you can never write requirements in such a detail, so they need to be able to write their own requirements from the vision and, and, and the business that we uh, provide. That would be my my take on it. Thank you. Yeah, it was very interesting, you, especially about sharing like uh, some some culture differences, right? So and something about their nation. So I think it it might be interesting to try. I think this relates back to David's model, the open trust model you talked yeah. about, and it that is even more important when you have sort of a remote relationship uh, to share uh, and and respect each other, but also be curious about one another and not just maybe go straight to the point in every call and meeting, but actually do some chit-chatting, what you would do normally if you would have met uh, in a physical meeting or a physical environment, um, to bring that into a digital one. Uh, which I believe the pandemic has taught us about a bit, at least <laughs> uh, that mm -hmm. you you need to to be able to build a relationship uh, digitally as well, and that that includes some chit chatting over Teams, uh, as well as actually getting down to business uh, in a meeting and in a call. So, I mean, what I do and have done during the pandemic is that I always um, jump into meetings early because someone else will see, oh, the meeting has started. And then you have a couple of minutes of, of chit chat with that person um, whom you might not talk directly to otherwise. And uh, uh, as well, leave room in the end of meetings uh, for people to stay on and, and talk if they would like to. I think it's a practical uh, thing you could add to your daily routine if you have digital interactions and remote sessions. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think first of all, it's it's interesting how this you know leading virtual teams, working in virtual teams, have become such an unavoidable you know fact of life now. I don't think I have any people I know that don't work you know at least to some degree virtually uh, with their team members. Uh, I, I recall very strongly. I, I had the <clears throat> the longest title in the history of ever uh, when I was working at Ericsson. I was the global head of leadership development and talent planning. Uh, and we'd been running for many years a training called Leading Virtual Teams. Uh, it was run well before my time and hopefully it, it went on afterwards as well. But I remember uh, someone told me that when this uh, training was launched, there was a lot of resistance, like no one wanted to take this training. It felt almost like a punishment, like, but why? You know, this is just, you know, the fact that I just have to leave, lead these people virtually now, it's just a phase. It's it's just something, you know, uh, it, it's going to be over soon because soon I'm going to have, have them relocated or, you know, soon we're going to be physically together again. Uh, and then over the years, that sentiment, you know, changed year, year after year. Uh, and after a while, people were really and truly, you know, happy about being taught uh, the virtual tools of, of leading people, because it's also different. And, and that's something we have to acknowledge, you know, uh, if you try to translate the face-to-face -face 
training, interaction, meeting, and just plunk it into a virtual space, it's doomed to fail. It, it, it really doesn't fly well. Um, another thing uh, that just springs to mind is, and I mean, Andre, both you and I, uh, we work a lot in, in Notion and other, you know, virtual collaboration tools. Uh, and I think it's important that when you start up and you start using these types of tools, that you give the same, you know, amount of love and care as you would to uh, a physical office. You know, how you structure those platforms, how you set up your Kanbans, how you set up, uh, you know, document storage, um, all that kind of logic is going to play into how the team collaborates, how it gets its work done. So it will be a very you know manifest part of the culture. So don't don't just set it up with you know the <laughs> the preset definitions and and think that that's going to fly. Think about you know what type of information do we want to share? How do we want to collaborate? Do we want to have our team charters you know freely available for everyone to read and as a it's a big part of the landing page for each team, those kind of things. Um, yeah, that would be my final addition. But a great question, Andre, and something we, I think we work on all of us every day. I see a lot of rec recognition and, and nods from everyone in the, in, the, in the chat. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, David. Amazing. Well, is there any last points, anything anybody would like to add before we wrap up? I no. would just uh, take with me the, I mean, trust is everything. And uh, the, the term that you said, David, the openness of trust, and also you said, Elin, and, and they agreed. And I will totally bring with me this uh, onboarding, as you said. Thank you very much for that. Amazing. Well, I think it's been a great discussion. Um, I've definitely learned loads of different things and thoughts about how my team culture is and how we've been successful within that. So thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Um, it's been a pleasure having you, um, Andre, David, Johan and Elin, and I hope that everybody's enjoyed listening. Thank you.